as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Impala Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson, also Big Shiny Robot. And I am Brooke Heim of the Not Entirely Perfect podcast. So we're here today, uh, it's actually been a somewhat busy week for movies uh a little bit slow as far as we're concerned because x-men apocalypse came out uh which we reviewed a couple weeks ago so if you missed out on that one please go check it out we both liked it overall uh gave it in the seven to eight range so please ignore all the stupid critics who are hating on it it's actually a pretty fun movie uh this week though we do have alice through the looking glass which is disney's follow-up to their huge blockbuster alice in wonderland uh andy why don't you give us a quick rundown of what the story is about Sure. This is, as you said, a sequel to the runaway blockbuster from a few years ago. All of the cast are back, including Alan Rickman, to whom the film is dedicated, although I do want to throw out there that those expecting to hear a lot of Alan Rickman in this film, you will be sorely disappointed as he only has one or two lines. So, But everyone else is here. Johnny Depp is back as the Hatter, who unfortunately has gone even madder. And so Alice, coming from the real world back into Wonderland, is tasked by the Hatter with tracking down his lost family, who he claims was killed by the Jabberwocky years ago, and everyone thinks is dead, but he is absolutely sure that they're still alive. Alice is tasked with traveling through time uh, by going to the literal embodiment of time, played here by Sasha Baron Cohen, and a giant anthropomorphic clock, or as a giant anthropomorphic clock, and uh, stealing something called the chronosphere in order to travel back through time and try and save the Hatter's family. Of course, as with all time travel, wackiness ensues, and things don't go quite as we expect, and then she keeps trying to go back further and further to undo other things that she thinks are even prior causes of uh, what could have caused the Hatter to lose his family. Um, Overall, I thought this film was beautiful, very good looking. The director here, James Bobbin, who uh, I fondly remember doing a lot of the episodes of Flight of the Concords, and who also was responsible for the most recent Muppet movies, uh, really apes Tim Burton's style and makes a very Tim Burton-y movie that isn't quite Tim Burton. And so I was very pleased at how it looked. I thought the script was a little weak. I thought the characters were really weak. Uh, And my biggest complaint with the movie was I thought that the stuff that was happening in the real world was far more interesting and compelling than anything that happened in Wonderland, which in a fantasy film, I think that's the kiss of death. Yeah, see, my my comparison has been that it's almost like, this movie's almost like a Fabergé egg. I mean, it's truly one of the most beautiful films I've seen in a while. They they bring Wonderland to life beautifully, and the wacky characters and the zaniness that's going on. But much like a Fabergé egg, if you look inside, it's empty. So you've got this really pretty shell around not much going on inside, uh, which is kind of sad because. There's so much fun stuff you could do here. The uh, the idea of time travel, I'm a huge time travel nut. I love, you know, I'm a huge science nerd as well, so anything physics or that kind of stuff always piques my interest. 
and time travel especially, it's I love it. Uh, the problem here is that the movie sets up rules about time travel. The whole reason Alice can is the only one who can go back in time to save the Hatter's family is because there's a rule that if you go back in time and you see yourself, you'll undo reality. So that's why she's going back there. Um, but there are times throughout the, the movie, especially towards the end, where they kind of forget about that and break the rules and, and just kind of throw that out the window because it didn't make sense for where the plot was going. Um, but yeah, like you, you said this pretty much. There's a, there's a lot of interesting things that could have happened. What's going on in the, in the modern day is actually interesting. I mean, Alice, she's all grown up now. She's the uh, captain of her father's ship, and she's a really awesome, powerful character and you know knows what she's doing, takes command. And that's all well and good until she goes to Wonderland. The one thing I will give it credit for is that even though this movie's about finding the Hatter's parents and family, they didn't make it about the Hatter. And I'm really glad because, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but what the hell did Johnny Depp do with the character in this one? I mean, I went, I, I've, I went back and looked at the first one again, and, you know, he's he's speaking kind of like a crazy, crazy character, but with like Johnny Depp's kind of normal voice. This one, he's got this really, like, high-pitched lisping thing going on, and when I went, and, I was sitting there, and I, I talked to my friend Brooks, I was like, Did, was that in the first one? He's like, no, no, it was stupid. So I don't know if Johnny Depp is just completely losing his mind and forgetting what character he's playing, or if he's truly becoming the Mad Hatter in real life, which if you saw him on Grand Norton a couple weeks ago, that could be very true, um, but it was really, really annoying, and I, re- I don't understand why he did that, or why that choice was made to portray his character that way. I really didn't know if it was actually Johnny Depp for like the first 30 minutes of the movie. Like I, yeah. or mm-hmm. since he, by the time when he got on the first 30 minutes of his screen time, I was like, is that really him? But I think he's just letting the world see who, like he's really nuts. So. Oh, he's bat saw crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I didn't, I didn't especially like the, his characterization in the first film. But this went from like, okay, well, it's it's all right to like nails on a chalkboard awfulness, in my opinion. I, I thought even worse, though, was what Sasha Baron Cohen was doing here. And I don't know who told Sasha Baron Cohen to do a German accent, but he sounds like he's doing Bruno, like mixed with a bad Werner Herzog impression. <laughs> That's exactly what I was about to say. I love a Werner Herzog impression, but it's just joyless, and I don't. I, I liked don't... him. Really? I really did. I I liked his his very first intro when he's like, "Curse this me-sized opening." Or something. <laughs> <laughs> Walk through a door that's shaped exactly like him. Like I. I liked that, and then it all went down there from downhill from there. I thought, but you liked it, Brooke. Tell me why you liked it. Yeah, I liked the movie in general. So I was sitting one seat over from Adam. There was me, and then my daughter, and then Adam. And I was watching him, and I was watching Missy and Brooks in front of us. And I, I think I was one of the few people who like continually laughed through this whole movie. I, I genuinely enjoyed my experience. And I know this is a, a problem with me is that I'm not critical of kids' movies. Like, I know I missed last week's episode, and I liked Angry Birds more than I liked Minions. And I like, like, I just, I don't know. I'm not very critical of kids' movies if it has a consistent plot 
and it's enjoyable and there's things in there for the adults. And I get that this might be like a spinoff of a children's tale, but it's not necessarily a kid's movie. But still, to me, like, it was enjoyable. I thought that it was beautiful to watch. I think that there was a lot of humor. Johnny Depp could have been absent, and it would probably have been better. <laughs> um, but I felt like the plot was really strong. They, they took it in some really interesting places. They showed the dynamic between the two sisters and Alice and the relationship with her mother and the relationship with how she was going to deal with people in society and whether to give up on her dreams or to follow her dreams or what was her response. Like, I just felt like it had a lot of layers on it that will be enjoyable and teaching at the same time to kids of all different ages. I just, I found it really enjoyable. Uh, that was the part that I really liked. That real world stuff with Alice and her mother and dealing with the very real obstacles that her gender has placed in her path. I mean, I thought the opening five minutes, that action sequence, where they're trying to flee from the pirates on the high seas in the South China Seas was, like, better than anything I've seen in a pirate movie in a decade. Like, that was harrowing, it was fun, and it went back to, like, the original theme, Alice continually saying, like, I... I like to think of doing six impossible things before breakfast or whatever the quote is. I can't remember. But that was something from the first movie that they brought into this. And it's about doing the impossible. Yeah. like I loved that. I loved that part. And I felt like they kind of missed some of that once they actually went into Wonderland where the impossible is more possible. And that made me sad. I guess I just didn't feel that because like... In real life, Alice knows that she's strong. Like, she learned these things from Wonderland that she's allowing to lead her and direct her in her life. And then her her life was rocked in this very real way from her mother. And being a daughter, no one can screw with your life more than your mother. And so for her mom to be making these decisions and signing over these things that are going to impact her entire future, she is going to kind of be a mess. And she's not gonna have her bearings underneath her and I think that that's kind of the point of it like she goes back to Wonderland and all of a sudden she's back at that same place where she doesn't know if she can do the impossible anymore she she doesn't know she no longer knows how to think that the impossible is possible because the most impossible thing has just happened to her but at the hands of her mom then she goes into these these things where she's like okay but this is my friend and I need to step up here. I don't believe it, but it's worth it to do. Like, there's so many themes through this movie that that weren't overlayered so much that they lost value. I just felt like her loyalty to the Hatter and learning from the past without being able to change the past to affect the future and and being loyal to family and understanding that things aren't always what you perceive them to be and being able to look at where things went askew in life and how the Red Queen, I mean, gosh, her story was so beautiful. It just, I felt like they did a really good job at all of that while keeping it simple enough for kids. Sure, the time travel 
like, they totally screwed that up from a scientific sci-fi point of view. But it's a fantasy movie. It's not a sci-fi movie. Well, and one thing actually I did really, really like was, you know, right when she pops in the, chron- the chronosphere, whatever they called it, and she's heading back and time yells out, you, know, you can't change the past. And I won't go into too much detail because there's, you know, I don't want to ruin it for someone who hasn't seen it yet. But I love the idea that, because um, one of the big things people talk about is like, oh, what happened if you went back in time and killed your grandfather? What would happen to you? Uh, would you, you know, would reality split? Would this happen? Would that happen? And it, it kind of has a cool idea that, you know, maybe the way the past is set up is that things are set and that you can't change them. Or maybe you can't. And, and it's, I thought that was a really fun take on it where you, you were expecting something kind of different. And it was interesting to see how her actions were the exact things that caused certain reactions that reverberated up to the present and caused the problems that are going on now. And how quickly she tuned into that. Like, she tuned into yeah. that so fast. And she was like, oh, I can't change the past. I can only learn from the past. And how am I going to move forward now? Because obviously I have to find something that I'm looking for. So how am I going to do this? Yeah, so I mean, that part I liked. And I love Helena Bonham Carter. I think she's fantastic as the Red Queen. Because you can tell she's just having a complete blast with that character. So, And like you mentioned, Brooke, the relationship between her and the White Queen when they were younger. And even though the end was very cliched and kind of like, aww. Uh, it made sense, so uh, I'm not going to fault her for that. It just, like I said, I, I felt there was just there could have been a lot more to it. And yes, I, I think there are some important life lessons, and they made it easy enough for a kid to kind of see and understand. And I, I can totally see where you're coming from as far as you know, when your kid likes a movie and they want to watch it 50 times in a row, there are a lot worse things they could be watching and enjoying <laughs> that yeah, you're going like to get stuck frozen. watching it 50 times. Yeah. Uh, no. to get stuck in watching it 50 times uh, there are worse things out there you can put in your, your DVD player and and I do have a different viewpoint because I was sitting there with my daughter and she was enthralled through the whole movie like she liked Angry Birds and she laughed at it but she was like crawling around and in my lap and falling asleep and like the only time she climbed in my lap in this movie is when she was genuinely frightened and but then brought right back out to joy by the movie and she really really liked it um for moms who do or dads who do want to take your kids to see it my daughter is four and a half and she enjoyed the movie thoroughly um the 3d is way better in this movie than it was in the first movie but i will say that that night she woke up at about two o'clock in the morning screaming hysterically and crying and when i got to her she's like you are the heart queen and you wanted to kill me so that was a little traumatic um so just take that with a grain of salt your kid might wake up thinking that you're trying to kill them but compared compared to the first movie and the like uh, as scary as the jabberwocky was in that that yeah not as scary as the first movie at all extended action sequences there here you had like one scene of brief peril and um so I I want to I want to agree for the most part with what both of you just said. My I think though that what they were trying to get at in terms of talking about the importance of family and regret and time and not being able to change the past, they were really 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 close to nailing that. And it frustrates me that they were so close 
and they didn't quite do it. I think that they could have if they'd been just a tiny little bit more deft. And I feel the same way about the the whole time travel element. I think they were really close to something very, very good here. No, this isn't the worst thing out there. But it was disappointing to me that it it should have been better because there was a lot of potential here. And because there were elements of this movie that were done incredibly well. Yeah, that part was... That part was pretty shallow. I mean, I know that it's fantasy, and to me, like, it, I didn't get hung up on it because that wasn't what I was there to see, but it it wasn't... It just seemed like it was shot quickly and not... I, I think you're absolutely correct. It was a little shallow. To, to compare this to a different movie series, uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Purge movies, and we get the third one in two months. Uh, I just don't... Yeah, but I'm I'm just calling that Donald Trump the movie, <laughs> right? Uh, but one thing I will say about the Purge universe is I think it's a really interesting place. I think it's a it's a really great setting. Uh, it's a great idea. I'm just waiting for someone to come along and do it the right way to really unlock its potential. And that's kind of where I am with Through the Looking Glass. I mean, I have a huge Alice in Wonderland fan. I mean, I grew up watching the uh, Disney cartoon. And then when I was older, I actually read the books, and like I, I love everything that's happening there, and all the craziness and you know wackiness that takes place. I'm just waiting for someone to come along and do it the right way, to where I can sit back and be like, yes, this is like the definitive Alice in Wonderland, or and maybe it's going to be like uh, Andy and I were mentioning about some crappy <laughs> made-for-TV version they had uh, a long time ago, and it might end up being something on sci-fi or HBO or Showtime which doesn't have to which doesn't mean that the show's got to be adult or crazy because that's not really what the stories are about but maybe it needs to have 10 hour long episodes to fully get through everything and or maybe there's a twist that happens kind of like uh, with uh, sci-fi's Tin Man which took over the the Wizard of Oz uh, mythos so I don't know like again I didn't hate the movie at all there's some obvious problems I have with it uh, it's by no means the worst thing out there. There's tons of bad stuff out there. Uh, so I'm pretty right in the middle. I'm coming in at a 5 out of 10. Uh, if you're a, a parent, your kids are going to have fun with it. It's really bright. It's beautiful. The 3D was well done. Uh, but it's not one I'm going to be looking to buy when it comes out on DVD. Yeah, I'm just under that. I'm at a 4. I'm going to admit my bias here that I hold movies that do time travel to a higher standard. And the ending... Uh, I have I have one major thing with time travel movies. You set up your universe and your rules. You follow those rules, and then it's like a horror any, movie. And you tie up any loose ends, and that's it. That's all you do. And this movie didn't do any of that. It it set up its own rules and then completely disregarded them. And the ending was a predictable and terrible Deus Ex Machina. And I was just like, <clears throat> I mean, your average six-year-old won't care. No, no six-year-old will care. Like, let's be honest here. Um, but I wasn't having any of it. So I'm, I'm disappointed by this movie. And I'm waiting for someone to make an Alice in Wonderland movie that is able to do better than Edwin as the Mad Hatter who still remains for me as the definitive 
uh, version of that from the animated movie. I just, I, I love him. I love him and Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, I don't think you've done a really great movie since Once Upon a Time in Mexico, and I want old Johnny Depp back. Please, he was bring fantastic old in Black Mass. Wow, you guys are harsh. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but here's the thing: like Alice was my favorite Disney movie. Like she still is, and and the stories, the books, I loved them. I I ate them up, and so I agree with you. These books. They aren't Alice stories to me. They're fun, and they're they're full of familiar characters, and kind of like we were texting about earlier. It's fan fiction. It's not the stories, and so I can separate them out. Um, I do want the right Alice movie to be made, just like you guys. Like I'm, I'm waiting and hoping and wanting for that. I would give this movie a six because if you can disassociate with what you want from it and I guess that's just it I had zero hopes for this movie because the first one was such a weird collection of craziness that it didn't feel like Alice at all and so going into a sequel I just thought oh yeah well maybe maybe Prue will enjoy going to a movie but I don't expect either of us to enjoy the movie and I did I enjoyed it I thought they had a solid storyline um and it was fun so i'm giving it a six and hoping that one day the right alice will be made respect <laughs> so overall you know you know me- mediocre to decent scores for through the looking glass uh, I-, I think our our final summation is just that it's i, I don't think it's going to move you we're going to look back a year from now and either really remember fondly or even really think about it all Unless, of course, you have kids who love it and you end up watching it 50,000 times. But uh, there are better things out there. But as far as for a decent kids movie for this weekend, uh, I think they'll have fun. I, I was sitting next to Brooke and Prue, and Prue seemed to be enjoying it. So if, if a young kid will enjoy it, then it's, it's probably good enough for everyone. Um, I just don't know on what planet someone would take their kid to go see this when the Jungle Book is still out there. And I... I, I do. I totally do. Like, I would go see this again with my daughter. It was fun, and it was pretty, and the women are strong and beautiful, and it is about them. Yeah. Uh, the Jungle, Jungle Book, Book is is good. It's beautiful the way that they animated it, but the storyline for girls is way oh, no, stronger I'm, in this. I'm fully excited with you. I, I love... I think Alice grew up to become a badass. I think she was amazing. Uh, and... Like you mentioned, her her interactions with her mom, especially when she's given the choice to follow her dreams or take care of her, or sacrifice and take care of her family, it was gorgeous. It was wonderful. And like, I wish there were more moments like that throughout the film. Like Andy said at the beginning, everything happening in England in the real world, just for me, was more interesting than the madcap stuff happening in, in Wonderland. So maybe maybe we just need Alice in real life. <laughs> I need Alice in real life, and we need more of. I'll uh, be Alice in real life. From those uh, that insane asylum where um, what's his name from Sherlock shows up as the as the evil doctor. Yeah, well, I think I, eventually she grew up and she moved to America and bought a diner. So <laughs> hopefully, some of you kids will get that. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> Kiss my, my grits. <laughs> uh, Really quickly, uh, the other movie that came out this week was The Lobster, which with Colin Farrell, we talked about this. It was a Sundance movie. Um, it's already available for DVD, Blu-ray, 
kind of confusing while they're running it in theaters, uh, but it's an absurdist comedy. Uh, it's written and directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, he's known for doing absurdist comedies. That's pretty much what this is. Uh, like I mentioned before, Colin Farrell goes to this like hotel. He's told he has 45 days to find someone to fall in love with, or else he will be turned into an animal. And he decides he wants to become a lobster if he fails. Uh, he, he, all this stuff happens. He escapes, meets people who hate love, and it's all very, very weird. It's very odd. Uh, absurdist is the easiest way to describe it. Um, that said, it's really funny. It's very, very dry sense of humor. Um, it's one of the most art house, art house movies I've ever seen. So if you go into it with that in mind, you'll probably enjoy it. Um, I'm at a 7 out of 10. Uh, not one I'm going to go run out and buy, but definitely one that I was glad I experienced. I've heard a lot of people complaining in the past few weeks about uh, there not being a lot of originality in Hollywood. If if you're one of those people and you want to yes. see something original, check out The Lobster. Uh, I would recommend any one of another number of movies we've talked about the last several months. Uh, Sing Street, I think, is Green Room. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, other things like that. There, there are original things out there, and if we want more of them, go and support them. Or and so- Captain America: Civil War, and we'll keep getting big blockbuster franchise movies. <laughs> uh, and then, and speaking of uh, a lack of creativity and talent in Hollywood, uh, this week we've got the new Ninja Turtle movie, Out of the Shadows, which I'm sure is. Oh, I'm, I'm, I got some faith in this one because this is, these are my favorite characters. This is all my stuff I love, so. Fingers crossed about that. Uh, and then, if you love The Lonely Island, and hopefully you had a chance last weekend to see the short they did on SNL uh, with Connor. Uh, his song was called Finest Girl. And let's just say it's not something you want to play with in, with mixed or polite company. Uh, but that's coming out on next week as well. So if you like kind of the mockumentary style, um, you know, this is Spinal Tap and those kind of movies, but taken to a hard R rating. Uh, this should be pretty fun. So we got those coming up, but uh, until next week, hail Hydra and have a lovely afternoon. Oh, you bastard. Team Cat. <laughs> <laughs>
If I could turn back time